From our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, and of course on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have got a, uh, a special treat. Yeah, we things do. Off. Hi, Vix. Hi, Pat. Let's uh, let's say hello to Brent Cron to kick off the hour. What's going on, Croner? He's in studio with us. What's going on, team? Oh, I like that. We lasso hoot him out of the gutter, and here he is. Right? Oh, he looks you know too good to be on the I'm like, a, I'm like a flower that has grown out of a pot of dirt. And here I am. Is it orchids that uh, grow in the worst all, conditions? All plants grow out of dirt. I believe orchids Pat. are the ones that grow in the absolute worst conditions. conditions and yeah. cacti. I'm sure cacti do, too. Oh, he's using the plural. Yeah. You are my orchid. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing, Croner? Fantastic. How are you? Good. I'm good. It's uh, It's been a stretch here. It's been, uh, it's been a... Busy last week or so. We're not even, we're only eight days since the Calgary Flames season came to an end. We're only 10 days since they were officially eliminated from the playoffs, but it feels like it's been, you know, three and a half months. A lifetime. Went down. And, 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 and you guys have gone, gone through the whole, I, I've kind of tuned in here or there when I've cared a tad or been li- just throwing it on my radio <laughs> driving home. Um, how did the exit interviews go? And were they candid? Were, were people honest? Or you mean with with the media or behind closed doors? With the media, the media they were pretty candid. For, I would like, suggest, yeah, surprisingly candid. I'd yeah. be, I'd offer up, and apparently even more candid behind closed doors. I would imagine. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, exit meetings, both publicly and privately, were uh, quite this. Well, not apparently. We were there for the ones that were public. We were not invited to the private ones. Do you ever? Oh, uh, you miss that invite? You? Oh, you went? Yeah. Why? Then why are you holding out on us? Oh, I just I didn't know it was of relevance or. He's got a bunch of inside information that we don't have. Yeah, scoops, scoops. Yeah. What uh, did you ever have a bad exit interview? Did you ever have one where you absolutely sewered somebody? No, you know what? I told I the told the line the whole time, and that was a giant mistake because you you always just think if you just say, "Yeah, hey, no, he's great. No, we think he's the best, and it w- it'll all work out." And it's my fault. And you, the big word in any sport you play, or higher up, you make it in the corporate ladder is accountability you know it's amazing what happens when you just assume the responsibility of oh i i screwed up here it was my fault and then everybody can kind of just move past well it's brent's fault because he said it was his fault right and so that's kind of the mo normally with exit interviews whether you get laid off whether you uh you know, you're at the end of the season, you still have two more years left. I mean, if you have four more years left, you're not really saying much. But if you're at the end of your deal and you're not coming back, you can just kind of lay it all on the line, right? So yep. um, I, you know, every accident interview I had, I just said the politically correct term. Well, you know, I should have been better. I remember this game where I could have been better. And, you know, that's what they want to hear. But there's a lot more factors that go into a lot of stuff, and you can pinpoint a few things that you just wanted just to take a screwdriver and just sit there and just kind of just turn, <laughs> turn, you know. But you, you got to have some stroke to do that, and uh, that's nothing that I ever have. So, 
When, uh, how, how, now just put yourself in the shoes, a bunch of veteran players that were not happy with the way the season went. There's been all kinds of innuendo that, uh, there was headbutting with coach and players. What, uh, how would your exit interview get, would have gone if you were today's Brent Cron and a member of the Calgary Flames? Well, you know, and, and me not being in the dressing room, so I can't, I'll give you my, uh, my two cents, um, without being there, just kind of seeing what I saw throughout the year. Um, you have a bunch of guys that underperformed this season. You had one or two that did great, right? I mean, Toffoli did fantastic. Yep. Backlund did, did well, right? Career year for Backlund, career year for Toffoli, right. Dubay, right. Anderson, right. Coleman. Coleman. I think what Daryl Sutter's strength is, is the fact that he can make guys uncomfortable. Not on everybody succeeds being uncomfortable. And so you get a guy like 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 Marksham. I'm just going to kind of break this down back to goaltending. Yep. And I don't believe Markstrom has a number one mindset. I think Markstrom is a number one goaltender, but I don't think he's a number one mindset. And I think this year what he tried to do is break him a tad and keep putting him in when he, was, he wasn't doing good. And when Vladar was on his streak of not losing games and getting a bunch of points, they kept going back to Vladar no matter how well, or sorry, uh, Markstrom, no matter how, well, how yeah. well Vladar did, he would get maybe a back-to-back game every once in a while. But it never kind of worked out. And so I early on in my career, I played on a team where we were unhappy with the coach, right? And there was a meeting with with just the leadership group. And at the end of the year, what are you going to say? What's your, what are you going to say? And, and you never know what was said in that meeting because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I know the coach is a joke. We hate him. He's terrible. I'm going to go and say that so-and-so was a terrible coach. And I'm using this as a legit legit. Reference, not saying Daryl's a bad coach because obviously he's won two Stanley Cups, it's been around for twenty years. But you never know who says what, right? Guys are guys are upset. Guys have their own. They're looking after their own careers. A guy like Kadri, a guy like Huberto, a guy like Markstrom, a guy like Rasmus Anderson. They're here for a long time, so it doesn't matter if if the coach is here, he's not. So you're gonna you got to figure out what you're gonna say, right? And I don't know exactly what was said, but you can see uh, a guy like Huberto didn't do well. A guy like Markstrom didn't do well, right? Lindholm obviously suffered, but there's a pretty legit reason why he suffered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of guys that could potentially want out because it's hard. It's hard being here. It's it's legitimately hard because Daryl's not a new age coach, right? He's not a guy that's going to – he actually he, he cares about his players. You listen to Foley. Defoy loves him. You heard his ex interview. I actually did hear that one. Mm-hmm. Loves the guy. Praises. Praises him, right? And I'll tell you what, I, I never played for Daryl. I got went to a bunch of training camps with Daryl, and it didn't go well for me. I had some opportunities. Didn't work out. In the moment, you think he doesn't care? He cares about every one of those guys, but he's got a job to do. He's got to win, right? And so now if you're a player in today's market with the hard salary cap and how you're going to work things out, you can't, you have to figure out each individual player and how you're going to coach them. You can't just coach a blanket style and tell them that you're all this and you're all that, and this is how it's going to go and blah, 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 blah. Cause I don't know how many guys are, you're going to find that if you could rewind the, 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 the VHS and go wow. back wow. to the nineties and find guys that can power through uh, that type of approach. Cause there's not many, and Toffoli's fortunate enough where he's won a Stanley Cup with them. Yep. Daryl views him as a winner. So he's safe. 
and they can have an open conversation. A lot of new guys coming in. He's an intimidating guy, but he knows what he's talking about. So he's not, he's not a, like, he's not a dumb guy. Like the guy knows what he's doing. So how do you take that and then encourage a guy like Huberto, you know, to, to, to be that superstar, to get a guy like Uyghur, who, who actually to kind of figured it out after the all-star break. Yeah. Played well in the second half yeah. of the season for sure. Really well. Right. So he can get through to guys and, 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 and you know what? And then next year we do this and we're going to talk about them playing in the playoffs. Cause it seems like the flames like to do play in the playoffs every other year. Anyway. Yeah. It's they're, they're not a, uh, be in every year type of no. team. That's for sure. Um, I'm curious as to how you look at the entire goaltending picture as a whole. Uh, Brent Kron's with us, Steinberg Vickers, as we're underway on Flames Talk this hour. Now that we've seen 82 games, you had Markstrom starts, you had Vladar starts, you got the one start from Dustin Wolf in game 82, and we'll talk about Dustin a little bit later on. But just the, the, the overall the overall goaltending picture this season and why it was such a disastrous year between the pipes. You've seen a lot of the games we've been talking. Uh, I don't know how many times we've talked about Jacob Markstrom and, and the struggles he had this season with you, but now that 82 are in the book, how do you reflect on a really difficult year between the pipes? I think the coaching staff tried to make Markstrom mentally a number one goaltender. And so Markstrom for his whole career, I think he was a high draft pick. He was a first rounder. First rounder, yeah. Right. So he, he played in Florida for a little bit, went to Vancouver, did well there, came to Calgary, and, you know, he's he's had a, he's a solid career. An early second rounder. I was he not the second rounder? He was the first pick of the second round. Right, so it's essentially same, but the same thing. By today's standards, 32 in the first. You know what? But I get what you're saying. Overall. And, and he wasn't ninth overall. Just I was going to say, you know, right. there's only one person in right. this conversation who is a first rounder. So I, and you know, I, I hate to talk, right and I hate to talk about myself, really. I don't want to bring oh, it up. I know, you hate right. it. Right, I, I really, I'm, I'm just embarrassed actually bringing it up here right now. But, to chase and prove yourself is a different mentality than to be there and hold that dominance, right? And so guys can have a good year, and consistency is what pro sports is all about. You, any, No matter what sport you play, baseball, football, hockey, doesn't matter. Consistency, what, what can we expect from this guy every night? And, and if he has a bad night, is he able to bounce back? Mm-hmm. Markstrom had a career year last year. He was lights out, especially at the start of the season. He salvaged so many points for a Flames team that was good. But he stole games, you know, not many, but four or five that they didn't deserve to win. But he was their best player. This season, he didn't steal a game until they played Minnesota, I think, in March. Right? Yeah, that was the first one. That, that was the first one that he stole. Yeah. And I remember watching it in my living room. I'm like, this is awesome as a flames fan like this is what he's here for so he struggled for three quarters of the season where i think and and, and there's two sides to this story and i understand what the coaching staff is trying to do like to be a number one guy you can play a bad game but what we want to get you down to is maybe a bad period or a bad 10 minutes but you never play a bad game you're gonna have a bad stretch but we're gonna try to keep that into a game and yes we may lose the game but we don't want you to have a bad 60 minutes and Markstrom, you can see him at this, at this season, he was his own worst enemy. Ever since, and it's easy to say, but losing to the Oilers in the second round last year, starting the season, whether that got into his head or not, he wasn't the same goalie. 
and they tried to break him by just keep putting him in because you keep starting games, you 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 play a million games back to back. It eventually becomes one big game, right? And if you can break that mold of game to game, and maybe I need a rest, and oh, I'm tired, and it's a big game here. But if you just assume you're starting every game and you're number one guy, that's a mentality. And there's not many goaltenders right. that have that, and that have ever had that, right? I mean, a guy like Grant Fuhrer, I mean, we're going back, had that. The guy could play every game. And he wouldn't be great every game, but he'd give you what he got. Martin Berdur, Dominic Hasek, Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky right now in the National Hockey is really, aside from Jonathan Quick, it could maybe a couple years ago because Daryl played the wheels off of him too. Daryl plays their goalie. Kippersoff. Kippersoff was playing 75 games when Daryl was was the head yeah, coach. I think the, the most he started in one 76. season. 76. Was, was it that many? I, I Maybe I'm... No, that sounds right because... Um, I know because I was buried in the minors because this <laughs> amazing right. Finnish goaltender <laughs> played a million games a year the, and the it would never time, get injured. The last time a guy started more than 70 was Cam Talbot a few years ago. You're right. 76 back-to-back back to back back. years. He went... 74, 74, 76, 73, 74, 76, 76, 72, 71. Who does that? That is six Not years no in anymore. a row of Who does that? Or more right? Now, you know, at my computer at this station is obviously doesn't have any power or, or operational capacity, but could you figure out what There's Jonathan Quick... There's been some Quick, problems about the sites you visited. Uh, so. Apparently, yeah. No, it pops up at work, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm actually banned from any internet access at the company I work with, too. Um, Jonathan Quick because this is obviously later, but I would be curious as to how many games he would play in a season. And you, while I talk, maybe one of you two uh, clowns can can run that through your computers. But that's Daryl's coaching style in a nutshell, right? You, you, you run with your horses. And Markstrom can be a horse. He can be. But Quick's high for starts was 60, uh, 72, actually, right. uh, in 09-10, but that was before Daryl got there. His uh, high for starts under Daryl was seventy one right. in fourteen fifteen. But, but nobody so, does so, that anymore, so, though. So he's missing eleven games out of an eighty two game season. Yeah, right. And so those guys got it, right? They could do that. Markstrom couldn't do that. Markstrom has never proven that he can do that. And now seventy one games is a high bench. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Markstrom. Nobody does that anymore. I don't think even Vasilevsky plays 70. Now, Markstrom did start 63 last year. But that's not that's 70. Not that's not, right. And so you're going to play him 60-some games a year, and then you're going to give Vladar a short leash. Which, what drove me nuts this season is that Vladar actually was on, he was doing great. He was, he was in a zone. He was winning games or getting points. And they would never really go back to him. Even if you play, if you played a bad game, it was just you're done. Markstrom proved that he was struggling and he was tripping over himself repeatedly for the first six months or whatever four months of the season. Yeah, Vladar is playing well. Why keep going back to Markstrom? And I understand the uh, and the point I'm trying to make is the fact that Daryl's trying to break this guy Markstrom into being a mentality a starting goaltender. Physically, Markstrom can handle the workload. In great shape, works hard, cares, passionate, doesn't want to lose, not playing for a paycheck. He's playing for results. That's not questioned. But men- mentally, that's a big ask. And Markstrom has been chasing his whole career to be a number one guy. 
and he's played the games for it, and he had a, everything went right last year. And it's in in my experience, it's a lot easier chasing when you know who's number one. Oh, I got to get my goals against average here. Oh, I'm running a race. There's two more people in front of me. I'm got to beat those two people. But when you're running at the front of the race, you don't know who's behind you, and how do you stay ahead? Because you you get tired. You 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 can give yourself ways out. A guy like Vasilevsky is himself every night. And if he has a bad game, he's back to work the next day. And it's hard to find those guys. I'm not saying we got to go find the number one goaltender that can play 75 games because they don't exist, really. And maybe maybe Dustin Wolf could be that guy down the mm-hmm. road. What what made it effective for Marshall last year playing 63? He had a and- break at Christmas. You think that's what it was? was yeah, the, the COVID? COVID break, the month off. Because you normally, if you look at his career, he gets injured every once in a while too, right? He starts the season. He's got his. I think that was his first year of his deal, was it not? Or that was, was his second, second, second year of his deal. Yeah. Okay, but COVID doesn't count because yeah, yeah, the first year was a fifty-six game. Yeah, season. right. Yeah, weird, do do? weird everything. Yeah. yeah, it just yeah. So he plays, but then even after that, but even after that month-long break that they had because they wanted to put tarps in the seats and whatever, right? He comes back and he wasn't the same, right? But the, the start of the season, he was lights out. And it, and it was the start of the year. They get the break and then he comes back and, you know, doesn't struggle, but wasn't as dominant as he was at the start of the season. But mm-hmm. it's that break. He doesn't have that break now. And the flame schedule was every other night. And then they get 12 days off to go to Florida or the Caribbean and hang out and drink rum and sit on a yacht and relax and come back and play hockey. Like, Give the guys, I mean, the NHL schedule, maybe give them a bit more time off during the regular season. Nobody needs to go to the Caribbean during the, we're not playing the national hockey, or sorry, in the NFL, getting bye weeks, right? Yeah. Like, anyway, that's a topic for a different day. I like that tangent, though. Kron's with us. Okay, around the table, do we think, Vix, you go first, and then and then Kron, or you'd take it as the, the former goalie, but do we think, first of all, assuming Jacob Markstrom, is back next year, and, and I think it's a fair assumption. He's got three years left at six mil, and he's got a full no-move clause. So, you know, there's a lot of, well, I'll move him to this team that's struggling or move him to that team who's struggling. It's, well, if, if Jacob doesn't want to go to a struggling team, he doesn't have to go to a struggling team. I digress. Do we think he bounces back? I'm not saying he bounces back to almost setting a new franchise record for shutouts next season, but Vix, does he bounce back to closer to the Jacob Markstrom that we expect next year? Is he going to improve on an 892 save percentage? Is he percentage? back to being like yes. a 912 guy, 912 to 915? Which so is on his career, he's 909. Yeah. I I don't see a reason why he shouldn't, but at the same time, I'm going to leverage Brent Cron a little bit here and go, he can do that, but maybe he does it at 50 games. And you have a guy in Dan Vladar, in theory, that you trust to come in, tied a franchise record for point streak, points in 10 straight this season. I think if you manipulate the workloads a little bit, I don't see why he can't be a 909 guy, which is where he's been his entire career over the long haul, over 437 games. Now you games. take that 892 out of it, and it's a little higher. And prior to his, like the, the career prior, he's closer to 912-ish. But I get what you're saying. Can he be... Are you cherry-picking stats? No, I'm saying I'm his just career messing with prior. I'm just messing with you. Go ahead, Croner. Can he bounce back? Yes, absolutely. And he will bounce back. But... This team needs needs to make room for Wolf, and they 
they sit in the driver's seat here because he's under contract for next season, regardless of whether he makes the Flames or not. He's he's on an entry-level deal, correct? Yep. Yes. Right. So they kind of own his destiny right now. Whatever he does, he's won the Calder Cup, an award I chased for nine years. The Baz Bash? Yeah, and never, never. Jason LaBarbera, by the way, yep. won it twice, too. Barb's, the last uh, guy before Dustin Wolf, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Barb, Barb's is the last uh, the last goalie to be the MVP, which is still pending, right? They have, we, yeah. we don't know if if uh, Wolf is going to win MVP or not, right? But we do know he's the only guy to ever won goalie of the year in back to back years right. in the AHL. And at this point, he's only 22. Markstrom, I'm not concerned about. I think next season he's going to be just fine. I honestly think you you find a home for Ladar. You try to get something from. From what he's got, because he's signed for what two, two and a half for the next two years. Yeah, you trade him, and I, and I would literally. I mean, so you'd sell high on Vladar, even yes. though I, the, the numbers weren't great this year. I think the league wide perception is oh, yeah. they've got something here for sure. Yeah, but but they also didn't give Vladar a chance to really shine. Like he, the window that he had, he did phenomenal, and then when they decided to go win for win, win and you're in, it was too late. Yeah. Easy to say now, but get rid of him. And not saying he did a bad job for the Flames, but you got got a, got a guy like Dustin Wolf that you want to make keep that momentum going. You put him back in the American League again. Hopefully, he has a good Calder Cup playoff and he can, you know, establish himself in the playoffs. Everybody loves the playoffs, but the guy's legit, right? You give him the game at the end of the year just because a thank you for being so good. That doesn't mean anything. It's just like, let's come play for National Hockey League game against San Jose, who's a garbage hockey club. And great. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. Now you got to go out and do a job. But I would like to see them keep the momentum going with the kid. And if Markson does falter at the start of the year, give him some games. Like, I, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't think they're worse off with having Wolf struggling then Vladar, I really don't, because I think Wolf will figure it out, and Vladar's been around long enough, and and they could get something for him in the interim. And like I'm, I'm all, I mean, and and, and like I said, this is a, this is a bias from my point of view with my American Hockey League career with the yeah. Flames. It's like give this guy a chance, because other teams do it, right? You look at, uh, it's happened all over the place. You look at Carolina. Yeah, that's where it, I thought you were going to go. Yes. And you, you got a guy like Cam Ward, who's a first overall draft pick, played in the lockout, had an unbelievable one season in the lockout year, played 50 games, lost. I think we, I think we lost, and I was backing him up. We lost in the second round to Providence. And the next season, like Peter Laviolette would come down because he was the coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. And yeah. basically, he would tell him, like, you're our, like, you're our guy, you're our guy, you're our guy, you're our guy. Well, he was playing the minors. And it was a lock year, but you're our guy. You're our guy. And he started the season, and we all watched Cam. And I, uh, I, I played against Wardo in Red Deer. He was, he was, I loved the guy. Just the way he played the game. He was, I'm a year older, or two older than him. And I remember playing against him in Red Deer, and he was just so calm and cool and collected. He was unreal. And I got to play with him in, in, in the American League, and he was just, he was just in control the whole time. He was great. He was, he was just super talented. But they would come in and tell him, like, they, they, there's nobody here but you and, and Martin Gerber. Like this is, and that's not everybody's path. Don't get me wrong. Nobody needs to. But you're you know, saying you're saying they need to message properly to Wolf. Well, to for sure, so that he doesn't feel like he's yeah kind of languishing on an island. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so that's what I'm trying to get at is the fact that you know Cam Ward came in and, and he struggled his first year in the National Hockey League. He wasn't fantastic. 
He went through his ups and downs. Wasn't great. Martin Gerber got sick after the game two against Montreal in the first round. Cam Ward came in and never looked back. Never looked back. Yeah. Won the Con Smythe and had an amazing NHL career. And we all yep. knew he was worth it. Like he was the, the guy. Do you not feel that Dustin Wolf is worth it? The only thing that I would say, and this is my only devil's advocate point on it, and and I've been I was pretty adamant all year long that do not bring him into this mess this season. No, and, and keep him away from all of what's going. But even for next year, I still am a little wary because he is such a top end prospect, and because goaltending is so silly. I'm kind of of the opinion that. I think you can take a step with him next year, but I still want him protected. And that's why I'm not and, – and maybe this is where you're like, no, no, screw it, don't protect him. He doesn't need it. I'm just of the opinion that you know maybe, maybe guard the kid from having a really rough year, and you can do that by still having both guys, Markstrom and Vladar, here. So then what you're saying is, is you don't believe in the team because you remember, you remember Devin Dubnik coming up with through the Edmonton Oilers system. Yep. And how highly he was touted, and how good of a goalie he was. I'm a little was. worried about the team for sure, especially uh, if they're going. So in a am I. Direction. But they have to announce. So they have to figure out where they're going, and and Don Maloney now apparently has to figure that out. And so, do you want Wolf to come in? But but the alternative is go back to the American. You've done everything down there, and now you're you're making American League money again, and you're just an American League guy. But all your peers are getting opportunities everywhere else to come in. Do you? I mean, and I'm speaking from experience because I've had so many people: uh, Corey Crawford, uh, Pekka Rene, uh, Ryan Miller, guys I played against that Yaroslav Halak, that are just you know, yeah, you got an opportunity, keep coming. I mean, and and that speaks to where the team is kind of at too, uh, in all reality. But we're gonna protect this guy. Protect him from what? Protect him from what? Oh, he gets scored on. That's you know, like your job is to stop a puck. But you're protecting him from the fact that you don't trust him. And so you want him to go play in the American Hockey League until Markstrom's leg falls off or until you absolutely well, my, need him. My idea has been maybe, and I have no idea if the, the, the other problem is Daryl Sutter. Is Daryl Sutter going to play a 22-year-old goalie? That's that's a completely different question. But But my idea was if you're going to have all three of them back next year, you've got the AHL team in Calgary. You can go from him getting one start in the NHL this year to maybe you can slide him in for 12 or 13 and still have Ladar and Mark. They are in the driver's seat, which drives me absolutely crazy because they control this kid's destiny right now, and they're so happy because they're, they're, they are not getting chicken-winged out of the bar at 2.30 in the morning right now. They are, they are running up the tab, and they can tell people to do whatever the hell they want. They got Markstrom for the next three years. They got Vladar for two years. They got Wolf on an entry level deal. So that they they can sit there and they, and and they all tell you, oh, we got a plan. You don't have a plan. You don't need a plan because you got everybody figured out. You got everybody. You got everybody eating on the palm of your hand. That's all you have. You have it. You have it all. So what's the worry? Right? You're not going to tell you, oh, we're going to bring Wolf in next year because we really think he did a great job. They're going to pump his tires. They're going to say he did a, he's awesome. He's a great guy. He does a great job. We love him. And we're, we know we, we just really believe that he's going to turn out to be a National Hockey League goaltender. So you would like them to guard against him getting frustrated and not getting yes. the opportunity? Yes. A so, million percent. Like, uh, honestly, if you're asking me for enough. my opinion right Fair now, yep. keep Markstrom, gas Vladar, bring in Wolf, 
and work with it. And then you then you go to Markstrom and you just say, hey, man, you know what? You were garbage last season. We need you to be better. We need you to be better. And if you can't, we'll find a home for you too. And we need you to mentor this kid. Yes. And, and I think Markstrom can do it. He can do all of it. But Vladar's not mentoring, or Markstrom's not mentoring Vladar. Vladar still hasn't had a chance to be a starter in this league. He started in Boston. He had a couple of hot couple games with the Flames. Maybe we should give him a starter's chance. No, you have a guy that's better than you, that's, that's the starter, but playing like crap. You have Vladar that is, from a backup role, is chasing a number one job that is just doing what he can. He's looking for an opportunity. Great. Those guys are a dime a dozen. They, they really are. There's guys that can come in and play, get hot for a few minutes and come in and everybody thinks they're fantastic. You got, you got a real talent in Wolf? Give him So you say screw it, don't worry about rushing him, just give him that opportunity. Give him an opportunity. You know what? I'm not there with you. Like, I'm not, but I, I appreciate, like, I appreciate the conviction of, screw it, give him the opportunity. And I will say this, as much as I think slow playing it and being deliberately unslow playing it is, is what I would do, A, that could be wrong, but also B, if they weren't and they were to just say, screw it, let's do it. I'd give him. I'd, I'd give him a lot of. You know what, uh, you know what, I, I I would definitely tip my hat and to say that. Here, here's here's my last point about the whole thing. If you can put Richie in on a penalty shot, the <laughs> season on the line, you can invest in Wolf to be your backup goaltender. I have no rebuttal to that. Uh, I, just quickly, we gotta. We gotta I do rebut. like your spot start idea, but I also lean with Croner in the fair. fact that Dustin Wolf has nothing left to prove at the AHL level. Zero. So do you stagnate him if he has to spend a third year there? That's that's where I stand. It's a fascinating conversation to see what they're going to do with the entire team, but even at that one position. Uh, Brent Cron with us uh, as we are underway this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. From Brent Cron to our Daily Flames Roundtable. Good goaltending conversation there oh, with yeah. Croner. And now Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Don't miss the grand unveiling of the EQ lineup today at 5 p.m. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Just minutes from the Calgary Airport. Steinberg, Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Uh, gentlemen, the topic I want to kick around today, it's been a very negative last uh, eight days or so, ten days or so, ever since the Flames. I mean, let's be honest, it's been a very negative last six months or so when it comes to talking about the Flames. But since they were eliminated from the playoffs ten days ago, it's been a pretty negative, aside from Coronado and Wolf, it's been a very negative news cycle. So... And and the negativity and the pessimism is all very fair. But give me one positive development from this past season. And not just a positive development that we saw only over 82 games. I mean one that we saw this season that also 
truly impacts the long-term future of the Calgary Flames. Where would you go with that one, Wilsey? Well, I might be biased because I spent 13 years working in the American Hockey League, but for me, it's the Calgary Wranglers guys because not only have they had success at the AHL level, they helped the Flames have some success at the NHL level. When you look at the impact that Walker Dewar made when he got called up, I know he didn't play a lot down the stretch, but Jacob Pelche looks like a guy who's going to be a middle six forward for this team for a long time to come and maybe a full-time NHLer starting next season. And then you've got some other good prospects down there. Dustin Wolf was named uh, winner of the AHL's goaltender of the year for a second straight season on Wednesday. Uh, you've got Connor Zeri, another first-round pick, who put up 58 points in 72 games. I'm not sure if he's a part of the Flames' plans for the future, but you know Matthew Phillips had an outstanding season with 36 goals and 76 points in 66 games, and you know Mitch Love uh, led the way as far as uh, the coaching staff was concerned. Uh, he's back-to-back -back winner of AHL Coach of the Year, and I think Brad Pascal as uh, one of the Flames' assistant GMs and the general manager of the Wranglers, did a great job you know, using the pieces that the team had uh, through the draft and uh, you know through signing uh, undrafted college free agents and uh, supplementing those young prospects with uh, good AHL players. So the success of the Calgary Wranglers, it's been a lot of fun to watch this season. We'll continue to watch uh, as they fight for a Calder Cup and the experience that those young players gain playing in the AHL playoffs is only going to help them get closer to the NHL, in my opinion. And uh, I also think that uh, we saw some guys graduate this season and we'll likely see some more guys graduate next season. So for me, the Calgary Wranglers have been a, a real positive story from a Calgary Flames perspective this season. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that and single out Jacob Pelche, who was a quasi-Calgary Wrangler slash quasi-Calgary Flame playing 24 games with the Flames this season. The body of work itself wasn't super productive. Three goals, four assists for seven points in 24 games. But I think you can pretty much remove any doubt that he has an NHL future as soon as next season. And as you say, projects to be a middle six winger for quite some time with the organization. And then you can spawn that off uh, multiple ways. The first one I'll, I'll look, it wasn't the production in Jacob Pelche, it was the interactions he had with his teammates, both first coming up and being mentored. And that, that bodes well for the room itself that a guy like Jonathan Huberto would take Jacob Pelche under his wing. That really helps the development of your youthful core, but also Pelche's interaction when he was on the bench or on the ice. And that's contagious. Nobody loved to see a goal go in for the Calgary flames more than Jacob Pelche, whether he scored it, whether he assisted on it, whether he happened to be on the ice or if he was just on the bench, there's probably a dozen clips to be had out on Twitter. If you just search Jacob Pelche, where he's trying to lift Elias Lindholm off the ice, or he's patting Jonathan Huberto on the head, or he's saying something to Nazem Kadri. I think that's important. And that is something that can be contagious within the room. And it was a long, tough season, and you need things like that. And Jacob Pelche, to me, was a shining light. Now, you need J Jacob Pelche as well, because you're up against the cap next season. Right. You need entry-level players to come in, or guys making under a million, and not just playing, but having an impact. And I think Jacob Pelche can be one of those guys. So that's why I'll single out Pelche and the circumstances around him, the energy, the attitude, how he slots as one of those sort of bright spots. 
I'll uh, I'll give you mine in a second, but I just want to I just want to follow up and and double back on on what you guys are talking about with the American League and and Wilsey, as you as you talked about and now you've got a number of these guys. So Wolf's got his first NHL game. Pelche had a good chunk of time in the NHL this year. Uh, Walker Dewar is healthy and and he was a little banged up, so they were resting him near the end of the year. But he'll be ready to go for the postseason when they start on Wednesday. And even guys like Zary and Jeremy Poirier and some of the other prospects that are playing down that now a now a long Calder Cup playoff run and and, and you never you can never guarantee that, but. I mean, the expectation is fair that they go on a long run. Like I, now, if you're a Jacob Pelche, you get this extra playoff run that a lot of your Flames teammates aren't going to get, and and Dustin Wolf gets another opportunity at a long playoff run, so on and so forth. I think that could be absolutely massive for development as well. Well, there's no doubt about that, and uh, I've had plenty of players, coaches, and managers tell me over the years that. Playing in the Calder Cup playoffs is as close as you're going to get to playing in the NHL. So for the Wranglers, when they kickstart their playoffs, this is going to be really valuable experience for all of those guys. And you have to take your game to another level in the AHL playoffs, just like you'd have to do in the NHL playoffs. So uh, really excited to see how the Calgary Wranglers make out uh, as they chase after a Calder Cup. But you know, from a Calgary Flames perspective, to your point, they're going to have to graduate some guys. Mm-hmm. And we saw Walker Dewar graduate in the back half of the season. Uh, the same can be said for Jacob Pelche, even though he wasn't a regular down the stretch. I, I take what I saw in game number 82 with a grain of salt, but Dustin Wolf certainly didn't look out of place in that game against the Sharks in his NHL debut. And if they feel like he's ready, that gives them some different options as far as their goaltending goes moving forward. So, it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, the cupboards not that long ago looked pretty bare, but they don't anymore. And this will probably just be a plug for the Wranglers, but go check out the playoff games. You're going to see yeah. first-round picks. You're going to see prospects. You're going to see the goalie of the year, the coach of the year. There is no reason not to fully jump on the Calgary Wranglers bandwagon as they try to hunt down a Calder Cup title. Oh, it's and they they, they do the a hell MVP of a job. Too. Yeah, but we we might find out by the end of this week that Dustin Wolf is is your MVP. Maybe Matthew Phillips gets a sniff at MVP with his league record and game winning goals in the year that he had. So yeah, it's uh, there's a really big opportunity for some of Calgary's top prospects. Wilsey, uh, Vickers, Steinberg, it's your Daily Flames roundtable. My my biggest positive is is a little bit different, but it's it's really all it's it's kind of along the same lines. But I just I don't think we're talking enough about the career year for Dylan Dubé. And so we we've talked a lot about Tyler Toffoli's career year which is awesome, and maybe he's able to be a 70-plus point guy again next year. Maybe he's not. Uh, Blake Coleman had a career year. Michael Backlund had a career year. But all these guys are well into their NHL careers, established NHLers, and over the age of 30. Dylan Dubé isn't even 25 years old. or uh, he is. Yeah, he's not even 25 years old yet. And over the last three seasons, he has gone from 22 points to 32 points to 45 points. So we're talking about 10 and then 13 points in the last two seasons in terms of a jump in productivity. I don't think he's done yet. Uh, and I think that there's a real opportunity for Dylan Dubé to turn into an even more important part of this team next year after an 18-goal, 27-assist season. 
I really wonder, depending on what happens with Michael Backlund and depending on what happens with Elias Lindholm and how the Flames decide to go about dealing with those two guys, if indeed they do not want to sign beyond the coming season in their final years of contracts, I think you've got a real good opportunity of turning Dubé into one of your top two centers then because there's there's no coincidence. And say what we want about Daryl Sutter's usage, and I really disagreed with some of the way that Daryl bumped Dubé around the lineup this year. I, I didn't really quite understand why Dubé was down on a fourth line for a little while or why he, he was really productive playing with uh, Lindholm for a while there, then got taken away, and it took forever for him to get back there. But I digress. There's no coincidence that they've played him over the last couple of seasons at center a bunch of times. And while it hasn't been a full-time look yet, I still think the Flames see him potentially as a center down the road. And while we thought that the center ice position was set for quite some time with Backlund, Lindholm, and Kadri, all of a sudden that seems a little bit more in flux and in the ether here going forward. So because of that, I think what we saw from Dubé in another career year bodes extremely well for the future of this team. He's got a very reasonable contract. He just keeps on getting better and more productive and more confident. I think another big year solidifying even for Dylan that this is where I belong and top six in the NHL. Yeah, I can do this, all that type of stuff. I think this could be another really big year for number 29. I really like that one, Pat, because, uh, you know, I'm a big Dylan Dubé fan. And you can look at him playing uh, in as many different positions as he did as a bad thing. And I get where you're coming from. But if you want to look at it uh, from a devil's advocate perspective, you could also look at it as a good thing. If I'm not mistaken, he played left wing on the first line, left wing and right wing on the second line left wing and right wing on the third line, and then center on the fourth line. So you've got to love the guy's versatility. He can play all three forward positions, and I would say pretty equally as well. And he can play up and down your lineup. Uh, I don't think he should ever be on the fourth line again. Uh, He's a top nine guy in my opinion, but uh, definitely a really good season for Dylan Dubé. I also think that he took a step from a leadership perspective. And I had a really great conversation with Jacob Pelche late in the season and asked him uh, who's had an impact on you since you you came up. And he said, Dylan Dubé. And then I had another conversation with Matt Coronado and asked him, has anybody taken you under their wing since uh, you came to Calgary and joined the Flames? And he said, Dylan Dubé, without hesitating. So, you know, Dubé has been a leader before. He captained Canada to a gold medal at the World Junior Championships. And now I think we're starting to see him blossom into being more vocal and more of a leader, uh, both in how he takes care of himself off the ice and gets himself ready as a guy who's always near the top or at the top of fitness testing, the way he plays on the ice, but also what he's doing behind the scenes, kind of mentoring some young guys as uh, some guys did for him once upon a time. So I, I like that one, Pat. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, and I think Pat confirmed it for me, but he invited Matt Coronado to come live with them so that the kid yep. that just signed his first NHL deal isn't living in a hotel. And for a guy, I mean, we're, I don't, for Dylan's age, he's only 24 to take that initiative and be the guy to be like, "Hey, we can't have we can't have our new guy, you know, who's very unfamiliar with the city, very unfamiliar with the organization. He needs to be with somebody that's been around a little bit." So I think that speaks volumes of of the the leadership element that you're talking about, Wilsey. For me, you're right. You listed all the different positions that Dylan Dubé played this year. I feel like there might have been at least a short stint 
on left wing on that fourth line too at some point. Oh, there was. Really f- or maybe he was a center. I don't well, he was center for sure, center for sure. but I think yeah. there was a, a the, the, and again, we're talking maybe a period or a game, but and maybe yeah, if you, right wing, we might be forgetting about a little stint there as well. Yeah. He might've complete the bingo card for all we know. Um, but yeah, you've got to be encouraged by the jump in production. As you mentioned, Pat, 22 points in 2020, 21 jumps to 32 last season, up to 45. If he can wrinkle out a little bit of the inconsistencies in his production, then yeah, this is going to be a big time player for the Calgary Flames. He had stints where he, I think he was pointless in 11, pointless in six, pointless in five. He's able to smooth that out. And as you mentioned, if this team is Sands, Backlund, Sands, Lindholm, you're going to need somebody to step up down or the middle. Or even Sands, one of them. Yeah, you're going to need somebody to step up. And Dylan Dubé looks to have that potential. I just and I, yeah played on both sides of special teams at times. Yep. Right. Yeah, he's turned himself into a really good penalty killer. He put up those 45 points without a ton of power play time. I wonder, again, if if you're without one of those two guys and now all of a sudden Dylan, because he kind of got, again, I I know that Daryl is very, very adamant about young guys earning their keep and all, but again, he got taken off the second power play unit in favor of Nick Ritchie, and, and I, I just, I, I didn't quite get the, the, maybe it was a tough love approach, maybe it was, I don't know, but I, I felt Dylan played better this year even than some of the utilization would have suggested he did. And I think he was, I think you talk about the inconsistencies, Vixie. I think a more consistent role and not ping-ponging him all over the depth chart. I think we could be talking about four or five more goals and we could be talking about him in the 50-point range. And 45 points on his contract is pretty good value, let alone if you're into the 50. So I I think he's got, you know, Wilsey, I know you've been talking for quite some time about this guy being in the, uh, you know, could be a 25-30 goal guy. I just, I I think that there is a potential for the offense for Dubé to take some more pretty significant steps here in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and I'll leave you with this because I know we're probably tight for time here, but you know, Daryl Sutter did move him around a lot. But again, you can look at that one of two ways as a good thing or as a bad thing. I think uh, it could be considered a good thing because the coach had faith that he could play on all four lines mm-hmm. and uh, at all three or four positions and on both sides of special teams. And don't forget, guys, at one point in time during the season, Daryl Sutter did say that in his opinion, that Dylan Dubé was the most improved player in the organization, mm-hmm. yep. not just on the Flames, but in the organization. And with all the players who took big steps forward this season. That says a lot. Yep. Agreed. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay. Talk tomorrow. He is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That starts to wrap us up this hour. And that is our Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Don't miss the grand unveiling of the EQ lineup today at 5 p.m. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Just minutes from the Calgary Airport.